have any good um, fishermen or fisherwomen here? Good? Are you good? Are you just mediocre? Yeah. I am a bad fisherman. Not, not good. I'm not good at all. Not good at all. In fact, if you are a good fisherman, you probably don't want to invite me to go fishing because I will probably, like, I'll negate however good you are. That's how bad I am um, at, at fishing. If you're a good fisherman, like I see, I have friends who are good fishermen. I, I see that happening, and I, and I desire, like, man, that would be cool just to, like, know where the fish are and know, like, what I don't get is there's different kinds of fish. I don't know if you know this, but there are different kinds of fish, and different kinds of fish like different kinds of bait. So if you're going to fish for one certain kind of fish, that's just weird. If you're going to hunt one certain kind of fish, that doesn't sound good either. Um, if you're going after a certain kind of fish, like you need to know, like when they feed, what they feed on, that kind of stuff, right? Like if you're a good fisher person, you understand how that works. I don't get that. I don't understand how that works. Here's how I fish. Um, every fish, everything that lives in the water, each uh, should eat worms. And so that is my bait. I don't do anything else. It's a worm. It goes on the thing. This is how technical I get when I fish. The distance between the hook with the worm and the bobber might change. That is the most technical I get when I fish. So I throw the line in and I watch the bobber. And when the bobber goes down, I reel it in and there's nothing there. And so I cast it out after I put more worm on because the worm is always gone off the hook. The hook is there, there's no fish, and I reel it in, I put more, and I throw it out, and I, mm, down it goes, reel it in. That's how I fish. Um, now, I realize that there's more technical ways to fish and technical things to do, and, and if you are really good, you use the right kind of bait for the right kind of fish. Um, when Trent's uh, trampoline video was going crazy, we were contacted by a family down in Texas that makes um, bait for catfish, uh, and I think it's called, yeah, catfish bubble gum. So uh, Trent drew that uh, catfish uh, blowing a bubble, um, and so that is their uh, logo for catfish bubble gum. I have no idea whether it works or not. We have had catfish bubble gum in our freezer uh, for three years, four years. Never tried it. I, I have no idea whether it works um, or not. But, but I, I recognize that there are different kinds of bait for different kinds of fish. And, and, and I suspect that if I ever use catfish bubblegum, which by the way, it looks a lot like but it's pink and it looks like, has a feel like bubblegum. You put it on the hook, I guess, and throw it in and watch the bobber. Uh, that's what you use. So um, anyway, I don't, you don't fish with a bobber if you're fishing for catfish, right? Do you? I don't see. I don't know. I don't know. If you're, but if you're fishing for catfish, why do you need bubble gum? You just stick your hand in the hole. <laughs> pull out the... I, I don't know. Um, we, like, I just don't get it, okay? I just... I'm not... Like, fishing is just not my... I enjoy it sometimes. I love to catch fish. I like to eat fish. 
none of the other stuff that goes into fishing is, interests me. I just don't care about that. Um, but anyway, if you want to bring me fish, dead fish, um, cleaned, cleaned dead fish, <laughs> filleted preferably, I would take it and, and eat it. I, I enjoy fish, but I'm not, anyway, I just don't, I'm not good um, at that. Satan, by the way, I know you're all like, where in the world is this going? Satan, let's get to him. Okay, um, Satan, unlike me, is a really skilled fisherman. He, he knows exactly what he's fishing for, and he knows exactly the right kind of bait to use and when to use it. He even knows how to present that bait in a way that entices the fish to, to, to grab it, right? So do you just leave it on the bobber? Do you put it behind the boat and drive away? I don't know what that's called, but you do that thing. And, uh, or then you put it in, and every few minutes, you know, you just look, I've seen my father-in-law do just jerks the line. I think it's just how he spends his time. I don't know, but maybe that's something. And, and so Satan knows exactly how to present the bait in order to get the highest number of strikes. And so whether we're talking about, um, this is church, whether we're talking about like the ancient Israelites wandering in the desert, whether we're talking about the church that um, existed within about 60 years of the resurrection of Jesus in the city of Corinth, or we're talking about people sitting in churches like real life all around the world this morning, there are only three foundational sins from which all of Satan's temptations come from. His bait doesn't deviate from these three main areas. And so while Satan is very skilled at setting bait, at presenting it so that, we'll, so that we'll take it, he really only boils those things down to three different kinds of foundational sins. And so I just want to mention those really quickly. Um, the first one is the lust of the flesh. And maybe you've been around church for a while, you've heard these um, before. Um, the first one is lust of the flesh. And, and uh, according to uh, revelation.co, uh, lust of the flesh is that temptation to feel physical pleasure from some sinful activity. To do something to make the flesh feel satisfied. So it can involve any kind of sinful activity that brings pleasure to the body. So sexual sin, physical violence. Um, so I'm not going to see it because I don't like that. Um, but, but the new Joker movie... Physical violence, okay, this is lust of the flesh here. Um, drug use, anything outside of moderation here we're talking about that makes you feel something and you crave that feeling. Um, stealing, you steal something, you get that, like that rush, right? That, woo, it's exciting, I guess. Um, that just scares me, but maybe that's exciting for some. And so this lust of the, of the, of the flesh thing, let, let me just say, I would say for me, I've noticed this in my own life recently. Um, food. I love the taste of food. And so, like, we, we were in Idaho last week at my, at my uh, nephew's wedding, and here's what I thought about most of the time. Well, the kids weren't with us, so there's other things I was thinking about. But what I thought outside of that most of the time was, what are we going to eat? 
like, I'm, ooh, I'm excited. So uh, Boise, Idaho area has two of my favorite pizza places, Chicago Connection and Flying Pie Pizza. If you're ever out there, you've got to go uh, get some of that. But that's what I was thinking about. When am I going to get to go back to Flying Pie? When am I going to go to Chicago Connection? Um, and so I was excited about what I get. So I noticed that I, I get a feeling physically when I desire that. And so that for me has kind of become a sinful activity for me because I'm desiring to precise. I want that. Like thinking about it controls me. The second uh, type of sin is lust of the eyes. And Revelation.co says, lust of the eyes is that temptation to look upon things that we shouldn't look upon, or to have things that we shouldn't have, to look at something with desire or pleasure, even though God has told us not to look upon those things. So the pretty obvious one is um, uh, look upon another woman or man who's not your husband or your wife. Um, porn like fits into that category, right? Maybe for you it's a, it's a home or a car or money. Uh, things that we'd associate with greed, right? The, the Bible says thou shalt not covet in the old school English. Um, don't covet. Don't look at things with your eyes and desire to possess those things. That's what lust of the eyes is. The third one is the pride of life. And it says that pride of life is that sinful temptation for excess greatness or power that we all feel the temptation to attain. So we're talking about um, pride itself is really one of those sins that God hates the most. Uh, pride is that sin attributed in the, in the scripture to um, Lucifer or to Satan. Uh, we could also say it's taking credit for something God or somebody else did in order to elevate yourself above others. So, so it's desiring for pride or for position or power for the sake of your ego or bragging rights. So like I've always got to be number one no matter what it is. I've always got to climb a little higher on that, that ladder. I've always got to have more because it fulfills me somehow. In Genesis chapter 3 verse 6, Satan's temptation of Eve hit all three of these foundational sins. She looked at the fruit on that tree and she said uh, it was good for food, it was good or pleasant to the eye, and it could make her wise. And so Satan, right off the bat, boom, here's all three of these sins he threw at Eve and she took the bait and indulged in sin by eating that fruit. In Matthew chapter 4, uh, verses 3 to 10, Satan shows up with Jesus. Remember, he's in the garden. He's been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. And Satan tempts Jesus with the same three base temptations. But unlike Eve, Jesus endured the temptations by taking a way out. If you remember the story, Jesus not only remembered, but he quoted scripture back to Satan. And he said, you're, you're telling me this. You're trying to get me to take this bait, but I know the truth. And so he quoted the truth back to Satan and used God's word against him. Now, I, I, I want to just take a real quick note out and say, look, God is not against us enjoying life. He created us to, um, to, to experience pleasure and to, to enjoy good things. God created food to taste good. But, but then Satan uses that for gluttony. So he turns that good thing that God created into a sin for us. Uh, God created the world and it's just full of beautiful things to look at. 
But lusting over those things to acquire them as possessions is a sin. God created us to enjoy and feel satisfaction from working hard, but seeking the benefits of work only for ourselves or not recognizing that God is the giver of all the abilities that we have to do the work in the first place, then that becomes a sin. So Satan loves to take the good things that God creates and turn them evil for us. And it might be different for me, different from you, and we're different from each other in all of those things. But Satan is a good fisherman. He understands what kind of bait to use for us, and he understands how to present it in a way that we're going to most likely take it. But they all trace back to these three foundational or fundamental sins. So we're in week three of this series called Reality. We've been talking about the battle between good and evil. And this morning I don't really want to talk about how Satan baits us. Because we're, then we're going to get into this, like, this discussion or this argument about, well, <coughs> excuse me. This is how he does it for me, and it's worse for me, you know, and like Satan really comes after me, and so it's different or it's worse. And and I don't want to get in those conversations this morning, because ultimately, no matter how Satan is tempting you, it comes back to one of those three things. Yours isn't worse or better than anyone else's. What I think we need to get a handle on today is, is this, and so here's our big question today. How has God promised to help when we're tempted? We're all going to be tempted, right? We're, we're all going to be there. Satan is trying to get us to fall, to, to stumble. He's trying to get us to take the bait. And so how has God promised to help us stand up to those, those temptations? So we're going to be in 1 Corinthians 10, chapter, 13, or, uh, chapter 10, verse 13 today. And, and so like always, if you have your Bible, paper Bible, you can open that up. 1 Corinthians in the New Testament, second half of your Bible. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, if you have your cell phone or a tablet or whatever, however you engage um, in, in God's Word, it's going to be up on the screen. You can also go to reallifecc.us, click on the My Message Notes uh, image there, and you can get there uh, that way as as well. Here's what Paul writes to the church in Corinth, 1 Corinthians 10. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. Okay, and we've already talked about that. There's three fundamental sins that Satan uses, lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, pride of life. It's the same for all of us. He's really good at knowing how to present that so that we'll take the bait. But all of us are tempted by the same things. Then he goes on. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. That's our scripture for today, folks. You ready? Here we go. God's faithfulness isn't measured by your failures or your fame. That's the first thing I want you to understand this morning. God's faithfulness is not measured by your failures or your fame. What you and I do in our lives doesn't change who God is. If you're on social media very often, you, you know that God gets blamed for a lot of things that his people do. Our failures translate to God. People look at us and they go, well, you can't even keep your life straight. You're God. How can your God help me if you can't even get it right? 
But God is God. Scripture says that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. God is faithful, Paul says, and his faithfulness isn't measured by our failures or our fame. What we accomplish or what we fall to in our lives doesn't change God's faithfulness when it comes to enduring temptation. I like the way Paul put this. He states it as a fact. In the middle of thousands of years of temptations that have come and thousands of years of temptations that are coming ahead, God is faithful. God was faithful when Eve indulged and he was faithful when Jesus endured. He'll be faithful regardless of what you do today, tomorrow, or next year. His faithfulness is not dependent on your ability to endure Satan's temptations or your failure when you indulge. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now that's huge for us to understand. I, I, I hope you get that this morning because it means that God doesn't change his method of operation based on who you are or the number of times that you've given in and you've taken the bait from Satan, or the number of times you've rejected that bait and you've endured in the midst of temptation. God is going to be God. And so God doesn't change based on what we do, whether we fail or whether we succeed. God's going to be the same. So if you're a believer in Jesus, you get the same promises from God that we're going to look at in just a moment, whether you're new to faith, whether you've been around for a while, you get the same access to his strength, whether you've sinned a lot or maybe you haven't done, indulged quite so much, you've endured a little more. God doesn't have favorites and he doesn't hold grudges. God is faithful. And that doesn't change. Paul says specifically when it comes to Satan temptations that there are two promises we have from our faithful God. And that's what we're going to look at in the rest of verse 13 this morning. First, he says, God will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. Now, if you've been around church for a while, you, you, you know that that verse has been misappropriated by Christians for a very long time. And we've, we've changed it up to say it like this. Um, we, we quote it like, God will never give you more than you can handle. <laughs> Not true. Okay, that's not what this verse says. And so when, when we get into struggles or maybe we're having physical ailments or there's a problem at work, some well-meaning Christian is going to come along and say, look, it's going to be okay because God will not give you more than you can handle. Baloney. Not true. Thumbs down. Doesn't work that way. Doesn't work that way. This passage is talking about how we deal with temptation. And so this idea that God's not going to give us more than we can handle means, if you believe that, you'll never grow as a believer. If you're never given the opportunity to trust God, you'll never grow in your faith. So God is going to allow you to be, to, to be given more than you can handle because he wants your faith in him to grow. That's exciting, right? That's good. Now, we may not always like it because we, we want everything to be perfect in our life, right? We don't, I don't want any problems, God. And when we pray, we're like, God, I don't want to have any financial problems. I don't want to have any relationship problems. I don't want to have any work problems. I want to have enough money. I want my kids to be good enough, not too good, right? Honor student on the back of your car, whatever. Not too good, not bad, but just good. Like, I just want my life just needs to be good enough. We want our lives to be stable, 
We go, God, if you just make my life stable, then everything would be good. And God goes, no, that's not the point. If your life is stable, you'll never grow in your faith. You'll never experience all the things that God wants to do in your life. And so it's just bunk. So look, it's a lie, I think, that started with Satan. So when you see those things on social media that say God will never give you more than you can handle, look, you don't have to be rude about it, but don't forward it, don't like it, don't share it, don't message it to me. Okay, oh, crap, now I'm going to get 50 million people messaging Look, okay, look, just don't, you don't have, don't perpetuate, don't perpetuate that, because it isn't true, okay? What the text says is here that God will not let you be tempted by Satan beyond what you can bear, and that actually is fantastic, because the bait that Satan places to get us to fall into sin, God is saying, look, I'm never going to let Satan tempt you beyond what you can bear. Now, now look, I, whew, it's, it's 11 o'clock already. Let me, okay, you got, we, we're, you got to get this. I'm going to try, Julie, hang on, hon. This is going to be fun. Okay, just, if it doesn't line up, she'll get it. Just, just hold, hang with me for a second. Okay. Okay, okay this, is, this is like, this is huge for us in, in the faith to understand this. God will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. How many times have you fallen to that temptation? You've taken the bait of Satan, right? Like I've done this too. We've taken the bait of Satan and, and it's just, we just got all kinds of excuses, right? Oh man, Satan just jumped in there when I was tired or like I was having a fight with my wife and the computer was there and there was just, man, there was just nothing I could do with it. God will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. Beyond what you can bear. So a couple things is playing out here. God knows you. God knows me. Each and every one of us, God knows. He knows exactly how much we can handle when it comes to the temptations from Satan. And so he's looking at each one of us and he's gauging all of these things in our life that are going on. And he's saying, Paul is going, look. God will not give you more than you can bear. You and I will never face a temptation in our life that we cannot say no to. That's huge. Because what, what do we do? I never meant to fall in love with her. I never meant to have that affair. I, I never meant to start using that. I never meant for that to go any farther. I never meant... God is not going to give you more than you can, can bear. At every moment as you're tempted to fall into sin, God is there and he is limiting Satan's ability to tempt you. Wow. God in every moment of our lives is present and limiting the power of Satan's work in our lives. He's going, Satan, that's too much. You can't do that. See, God wants us to succeed, and so he's there present with us all the time. You and I never have to give in to temptation again. Now, you've been a Christian for a while. You're going, wait a minute, preacher. I've been a Christian for a long time. I've got the Holy Spirit. I've been here for a long, I know, and I fall into sin, and I get, and I, yeah, I do too, but I don't have to, and neither do you. 
And it's not some second kind of thing that God does when you grow spiritually enough. God comes in and goes, okay, look, you don't sin anymore. It's not that. Because Scripture says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We understand on a practical level that we're going to sin, but we don't have to. Because God is always there limiting the work of Satan in our lives and allowing us to avoid, giving us the strength. He's going, look, based on your faith, based on where you're at, your maturity, I'm going to limit Satan's ability to tempt you in this moment. Second thing he says in that verse is this, when you are tempted, that God will provide a way out so you can endure it. Which means God knows we're weak. God knows we have a difficult time handling it. God knows that even though he's promised that we'll never have a temptation that we can't bear in his strength, he knows that sometimes we're going to choose to give in to that sin. We're going to choose to take that bait. We're going to choose to step into that thing. And so he's like, look, I'm going to also provide you a way out. There's going to be a way for you to get out. And that is powerful. In fact, um, we're, that's going to be the, 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 this is going to be the bottom line. Wherever Satan places the bait, God prepares a gate. Do you like the rhyme? You can use that if you want. All we, wherever Satan places the bait, whatever temptation that is, less the flesh, less the eyes, pride of life, wherever that is, God prepares a gate. There's always a way out so that you can endure. So look, if the bait comes through your phone or tablet late at night when everybody else is asleep, the gate may be as simple as turning it off. The gate may be as simple as our lives of, of just saying, look, when I'm at home alone and the wife or everybody, like I'm a guy, so I'm talking to guys. I'm at home alone. Everybody else has gone to bed. I'm not going to be on my phone or tablet. Or maybe you need to just say, um, when the wife goes to bed, I go to bed. Because there's too many things on TV we can get into. So maybe, maybe the gate for you that God has presented is just, look, get off the devices, turn off the TV, go to bed when your wife does. It, it might be, the gate might be like Jesus reciting the Bible. But by the way, you've got to know your Bible first, in, so you've got to be reading it in order to get there. Terry talked about that last week. The gate might also be a little harder to step through. It might require you to quit your job. And that might be the gate. If, if your job, if there's sin involved there, the gate may be you got to quit. And you got to find something else. It might be that you stop hanging around your friends, that you might take a stand in public or risk um, persecution. I, Julie, we're not going to play this video because I don't have the time. But um, I, look, I'm not country. I, don't, I, don't do country. I know a lot of you do country music. I don't do country music. I don't do country but I saw the other day, some dude, look, if I'm, I, honestly, I don't even know who this guy is. Um, his name is Thomas Rhett. Anybody know him? I think he sings. Yeah. Okay. So, so Thomas Rhett uh, apparently won a, a CMT Artist of the Year Award a few nights ago. I think the 16th, whenever that was, earlier in this week. And he got up on stage. I've got the video, and I, we, I'll post it on our social media page. Um, but, uh, but he got up to win this award, and the drummer for somebody, Kane, Kane Brown, some, I don't know, his drummer passed, and he shared like this. And so Thomas Rhett gets up to receive, and, and, and he says to everybody, it's a huge thing, 
And look, I know country is still it's like somewhat religious, but they're not, not really religious, okay? Um, he got up and he prayed. He didn't just accept his reward, award and go like they always do. I like to thank God for giving, he gave me this country music award. That's how they talk, I think. And so I, so like, like most of them just get up. Like I want to thank God for this award. And I'm like, God doesn't care whether you get that award or not. Like he didn't set that up. He didn't do that. He said, can we pray? And he prayed to God in Jesus' name at the end in front of all those people, which means that Thomas Rhett essentially went to God and said, God, I'm going to lay my music career on the line. Now, I guarantee you that Satan was tempting him to take the bait and just get up there and say, I'd like to thank God for this award. But the gate for Thomas Rhett was to take a stand. Now, that may cost him. I, I don't know. The climate is a little struggly now, but, but sometimes that gate is difficult, more difficult to walk through. But look, we go back to what Paul says. God is faithful. He doesn't ever want you or I to give in to another one of Satan's tricks again. So he limits Satan's power in tempting us, and he provides a way out. So because God is faithful... You can bear temptations, the temptations you face. You can bear the temptations that Satan puts in front of you, but you may choose not to. Can we just, like, recognize that this morning? If, if, if what Paul says is true, God will not tempt you, God will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can bear. That means that you can bear every temptation that you face from here on out, but you may choose not to. Secondly, there will be a way out that you can take, but you may choose not to take it. Well, that's hard, isn't it? For me, that's hard. Because I know this week I'm probably going to sin. And that sin, whatever it is, is going to be my choice. Because I know that God won't allow Satan to tempt me beyond what I can bear, and he'll provide a way out. And if I don't bear it and I don't take it, that's my fault. It's kind of harsh, but I think sometimes we need to hold our feet to the fire just a little bit. You and I don't have to take the bait. But look, whether you stand or you fall to sin, God will be faithful to you. Because Paul says that God is faithful, period. Like that's it, like God is Faithful. He's always faithful. He's always the same. And he's going to do these things to help you, but he's never going to change. So you, if you indulge Satan's next 100 temptations, like the next 100, you walk out the doors this morning. Maybe you don't even get out the doors this morning, and you're already thinking about something. The next 100 sins that you give into, on the 101st sin, God's going to limit Satan's ability, and he's going to provide you a way out. Every single time. And that's the key. We need to stop making excuses when temptation comes and start enduring that temptation. Because I think as Christians, we get in the habit and we go, God is gracious. God is merciful. I, look, I was, it was this whatever and I didn't mean to, but I did it. Let's stop making excuses and start enduring. You'll find that the more you endure the temptation of Satan, the more you'll be able to endure. That's how he grows us. And the easier it will be for you to see the gate and to avoid the bait. 
So today, there is nothing you can do about your past sin. But thankfully, on the cross, Jesus paid for that already. You don't have to spend another day, another moment, another second worrying about the things that you've done. From this moment on, you can walk out of here knowing that God is faithful, that he will limit Satan's power in your life to tempt you to sin, and that he will provide a gate, a way for you to get out underneath that sin. And so you can determine to stand in God's faithfulness, to take him at his word, to trust that your temptations are not harder or stronger than anyone else's, and that on your behalf, God is limiting Satan's ability and preparing that gate so you can endure. And so I want to encourage you this morning and this week to choose to stand in God's faithfulness and don't buy the lie that you can't endure. Because the truth is, this week, you're going to face a lot of temptations. Maybe you're going to face more temptations than normal simply because we've been talking about it this morning because there's a spiritual battle raging. And so you'll have to choose moment by moment by moment whether to indulge those temptations and sin or to endure them and stand. And I hope that this week you'll remember God's faithfulness in each and every of those, one of those moments. Remember that he will not tempt you beyond what you can bear. So you can bear it. And remember that wherever Satan places that bait, God has prepared a gate. And so I want to encourage you to use it. You and I can endure because God is faithful to intervene. Folks, there's a spiritual battle raging in our lives and we can't see it. But it's going on all around us. And when we give in to the bait of Satan, when we take that bait, we're working for the other side. I, I just keep going back. I don't know about you. I keep going back in, in, my, in my heart and my mind to Jesus and, and Peter. When, when Jesus says, look, in a few days I'm going to die. And I'm going to be resurrected. And Peter says, no. And, and Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. I think at any moment, you and I can be Satan when we take the bait. And it doesn't mean that we're like, oh, the Antichrist. Or, it, it just means that in that moment, we're working for the enemy. And we got to remember that God is going to limit Satan's ability, and he's going to provide a way out. You and I don't have to sin, even if we choose to. Thank you, God, for your grace it covers those times when we choose to do it. Let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you for loving us so much. For being willing to, to over and over, like just, just wash our sin in, in the blood of Jesus. Just cover that stuff for us. And, and God, I'm sorry for the times that I've failed you and I've chosen to sin. When I knew that I could stand, I knew that I could turn it off, I knew that I could walk out, I knew that I could take the gate, and I didn't do it. God, would you help us to stand? Would you help us to endure so that we can be faithful witnesses for you? So that we can help in, in our lives, as, as, as people see you working through our lives, they see us avoiding those things that other people fall to, would you, would you help us 
through our lives to help every person possible find real life in you. And God, as we stand up to those temptations of Satan, as we refuse the bait, as we take the gate, would you help us look more and more like your son, Jesus? We ask it in his name. Amen. Hey, the band is going to play a, a, a final song, but I want to just tell you three quick things. Um, as soon as the service is over in just a minute, go back to the tables, pick up a free shirt. Thank you to uh, TCG Services here in town and Wade and his family, and I think you got some other volunteers. Uh, it's awesome. So um, their goal is that just no matter what church you, you attend, or, or maybe you don't even go to church, but you just love Jesus, um, that all over town, people who are not believers would see us all from different churches and different places wearing the same shirt. And I, I, think, that's, I think that's cool. And so um, stop, the shirts are free, so stop back. If they got your size, you can pick one up. Next Sunday, we're concluding this uh, reality series, and we're going to look forward to the outcome of the spiritual battle. So we're going to kind of look forward to the end of all this stuff that we've been talking about the last few weeks. Also, on November 3rd, we're going to have Baptism Sunday. And so um, if you've been thinking about that, you've been preparing for that, you've been thinking it's time for you to take that step, November 3rd. So you can go, to, go back to the Connection Hub or go to reallifecc.us, click on Next Steps, um, and, and fill out that baptism form, and we'll make sure that we're ready for you on November 3rd. Okay? I love you. I'll see you next week. One, two, three. Ooh, ooh.